coverage. This is the PFT PM podcast. And now your host, Mike Florio. Just another boring Wednesday afternoon for the National Football League. A few days short of Memorial Day weekend. Not much happening. Nothing to really talk about. Not even sure why I'm doing this today. Oh, boy. Tell you what, the NFL did not want to deal with the anthem issue during the annual meeting in March, I believe, because there would have been too much reaction, too much focus, too many media. It would have taken over the annual meeting. So instead, they push it to May, and it ends up taking over the May meetings. Maybe that's a good thing. Change the subject from how the NFL is trying to potentially ruin the game by getting rid of the kickoff, although the kickoff's not gone yet. It's coming. Two and a half years before the kickoff is gone. And then dramatically altering the way the game is played by forcing the head completely out of it. On one hand, that's good. On the other hand, it's going to be different. The NFL overreacting to ongoing pressure from, I think, ultimately mom and dad. Mom and dad want to feel good about letting their kids play football. So they have to end. And this isn't a five-month or a five-year thing. This is a five-decade thing. They have to change the game so the stories of guys getting CTE and having problems later in life eventually go away. They have to be able to say, We've taken the head out of the game. We've made the game as safe as it can possibly be. It's gone from removing any unnecessary blows to the head to addressing blows to the head that under the way the game was always played, these are quote-unquote necessary because it's part of opening a hole for a running back. It's part of getting through the hole if you are the running back. It's part of tackling the running back. Not spearing him, but if this rule gets applied as written, A lot of the things that were done to make football what it is are going to be gone. But anyway, we're not talking about that today. Especially because Troy Vincent's not going to be on today because he called in during PFT Live. So sorry, PFT PM. PFT Live got dibs because we got him live. Instead, the anthem issue has taken over. And I was convinced, with all due respect to the league, to the owners, I was convinced whatever they did, they were going to screw it up. They were going to make it worse. And they have made it worse. How have they made it worse? Because the whole purpose of this seems to be on the surface, placating the president, taking off the table the constant basis for criticism of the NFL for allowing players to disrespect the flag. So now what have you done? You've given him a victory that he is going to constantly constantly remind you of he may as well get it tattooed somewhere on his bald spot for the next time the wind blows and we can see i kicked the nfl's ass over the anthem issue yes i did i did it i think all of that'll fit in the bald spot allegedly but there's going to be no gracious victory here It's already started. Vice President Mike Pence, who stormed out, remember that one? Stormed out of the Ravens-Colts game, not Ravens-Colts, 49ers-Colts game in Indianapolis when he, he knew that 
there was going to be kneeling, made a political statement. Pence tweeted, hashtag winning. Once the headlines started to come out and the president retweeted them. So they're going to continue. They're not going to go away. Instead of the NFL being wrong for allowing players to disrespect, more on that in a minute, disrespect the flag. President Trump, Vice President Pence are going to, from time to time, or maybe all the time, point out that the NFL caved in. We made them. We forced them to do it. They gave in to us. We beat the NFL. Those guys would be kneeling. They want to. Oh, just look at them. You know they want to. Whatever happened, you know, you know how those rallies go. So instead, the players are going to be forced to respect the flag. All team and league personnel on the field shall stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. That's item one of the six item statement that was made today by the owners. Two, the game operations of annual will be revised to remove the requirement that all players be on the field for the anthem. So basically, if you don't want to respect the flag, stay off the field. Three, personnel who choose not to stand for the anthem may stay in the locker room or in a similar location off the field until after the anthem has been performed. Four, a club will be fined by the league if its personnel are on the field and do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. Five, each club may develop its own work rules consistent with the above principles regarding its personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. Six, the commissioner will impose appropriate discipline on league personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. So anybody who's in the building who works for the league, they better be standing and showing respect for the anthem. Not that that's ever been an issue. And have we made no progress whatsoever in the last two years regarding why players protest? How many different ways do they have to say we're not disrespecting the flag? We're not disrespecting the anthem. We're using this opportunity to bring attention and sensitivity to a very real concern that we have in our communities. That police officers with minimal training, minimal experience, minimal skill are being given lethal force and they're allowed to use it with minimal accountability. And this is the only avenue we have for saying anything about it or doing anything about it. It's not disrespect. Yes, it is. No, it's not. How do we solve it? We just assume it's disrespect and we move on. That's the proof that this is about capitulating to President Trump and his base. And even though there's no evidence that the huffing and the puffing is actually blowing the house down. Oh, what about the ratings being down? The ratings are down for live TV across the board. Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, said within the past few weeks when they gave Matt Ryan his contract extension, league revenues are up, club revenues are up. The money is going up. Every indicator is going up. Papa John's doesn't like it. Pizza Hut enters with more money on a longer-term deal. CBS and NBC bow out on Thursday Night Football. Fox pays more money than they were paying combined. So, business is still booming for the NFL. 
it's a convenient excuse to force players to do what the owners want them to do. And that was a point I made earlier today. It's all about control, in my estimation. Control. Controlling player behavior. It's not about the flag. It's not about revenue. It's not about race. It's about control. That's why I think that even with the anthem issue no longer an impediment, you're not going to see Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed back in the NFL. Because Kaepernick particularly, the one who's identified with the inability to control the players. And it's not just that they protested during the national anthem. It's that they're using the available means to protest their treatment. How dare you? And I'm sure they would rather write a gigantic check to Kaepernick and Reed than to ever give them what they ultimately want, which is to win. They'll bow to the president. They're not bowing to the players. And I think the players would be a hell of a lot more gracious if the players ultimately won. And who knows where this goes from here. I've said all along that the NFL can't change this policy without collective bargaining. We'll see if there's a grievance filed or any other effort to try to fight this. Now, of course, the NFLPA will be villainized for that because some will equate that with disrespect for the flag. Oh, the NFL Players Association wants, they, they want players to be able to disrespect the flag. The NFL gave the players the right to protest. The NFL confirmed that right, reiterated that confirmation. The players have a right to protest. And the NFL took it away today without any discussion with the union. Now, some owners, I think, are sensitive to this. Jed York, the owner of the 49ers, he abstained from the vote. Christopher Johnson, the not owner, but essentially owner's representative, because the owner of the team is the U.S. ambassador to the U.K., Woody Johnson. Christopher Johnson says, I'm not going to find players who don't stand for the anthem. I'm not going to force them to stand for the anthem. And any fines imposed by the league... I'll pay them, which could get very interesting because typically what happens is the league fines you to modify behavior. So if they fine you once and you don't modify behavior, they fine you more and they fine you more and they fine you more until you modify behavior. And look, I know that this is a political issue. And I know that it's very difficult for anyone to step aside from their political belief and view this objectively. But I wish people would look at it from both sides. I understand that there are people who genuinely believe that the flag is being disrespected no matter what the players say. But the players strongly believe in their cause. And you don't compromise on something like this by issuing a new policy and saying this is the way it is. And wasn't it amazing? And isn't it a convenient time for the league to have its own reporters and opinion makers on the payroll? Maybe this will be the moment that people other than me realize that there's something insidious about having an entire horde of reporters 
whose paycheck Roger Goodell signs? Why am I the only one who's bothered by that? I mean, I'm not going to stop being bothered by it, by the fact that no one else seems to be. Look at all the things that 20 or 30 years ago we'd say, oh God, that can't be, and it's all become normalized now. We've normalized a lot of shit in this country. And the idea that it's perfectly fine for someone to get paid by the NFL and push the NFL's propaganda. Compromise reached. There was no compromise. There's no compromise. Oh, 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 well, we, well I, I don't mean a compromise with the players. I mean a compromise among the owners. Well, come on, you use the word compromise. That word's been floating around for the past few weeks. Remember the Washington Post report? Well, the compromise may be the league lets the teams make the policy. Well, is that a compromise? Compromise is sitting down with the players and compromising, reaching a negotiation. See, they don't want to admit that they screwed this up. The league screwed this up. When the league made these players props in the effort to wrap the shield in the flag 10 years ago or so, probably right about the time the league started taking money from the military for promotional activities. Remember that stink? And they finally blew the lid off of that and the NFL had to be shamed into giving back money. I mean, if the military is going to be paying the NFL to promote it, at least have the players out there, give us some good images of the players standing at attention during the anthem. And then they screwed up the drafting of the policy. And then when Colin Kaepernick was spotted sitting, they weren't willing to say, yeah, you need to stand. Oh, I know the policy says you must be on the sideline and you should stand. But yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, you stand. Just stand. The NFL mishandled this every step of the way. You know, Jerry Jones was right. It all falls on the commissioner. This should have been spotted as an issue in the aftermath of the 2016 season. You know who the president is going to be. You know what the president likes to do to stir up his base. And you've got this issue where there are these vague and scattered protests. And they make everyone uncomfortable. If you're going to slam the door in the players' faces, you do it a year ago. Not after it becomes an even bigger issue. And you've yet again confirmed the existence of the right. And what have they really won from this? A lot of criticism. The president isn't going to be gracious about it. He's going to rub their faces in it. What is it really going to do? Because I think the people who were pissed, they're still going to be pissed. They're still going to seize on it as a political issue. So now everybody's pissed for one reason or the other. They're either going to be pissed because the players are being forced to respect the flag or they're going to be pissed because oh, the only reason the NFL did it is because we yelled loudly enough. They really don't mean it. I've been reading 1984 lately. And boy, there's a lot of concepts in 1984 that are prevalent today. And my guess is they've been prevalent ever since the book was written in 1944. But man, what's next? When are they installing the telescreen in our houses? Because God forbid, God forbid you exercise the American freedoms that so many people fought and died for. The thing the nation was founded on. I saw somebody on Twitter today in response to this development say, well, it's about time they're made to show a little respect. Don't people realize how un-American that is? Forcing people 
forcing people. Look, I stand and respect the flag. I put my hand over my heart and I pay attention. But I also know that if I didn't want to, I wouldn't have to. And that's part of being American. Remember 29 years ago? I remember the summer of 89, I was in law school. There was all this brouhaha over burning the flag. Ultimately, burning the flag is a First Amendment exercise. You're allowed to burn the flag. You're allowed to be in America and not like America. It's one of your prerogatives. It's part of your free will. And it's okay to say, I understand that someone has the right to not like the way things are. Someone has the right to not stand for the anthem. Someone has the right to burn the flag if they even want to. It's one of the rights they're given. They have the right to worship any religion they want, any God they want, or not worship at all. And they have the right to tell people, I don't think that what you're doing makes any sense when it comes to religion. You're wasting an hour of your week every Sunday on some some made-up deity. And people who believe have the right to engage them. So I don't know what's next. I mean, my view of government is very simple. I want to be left alone, and I will leave you alone. And I don't care what you do as long as you don't harm me or my interests, me or my property, my family, whatever. You leave me alone, do whatever you want. I don't care. That's why the... The pilgrims came over here. They wanted to get away from people who were trying to tell them how to live their life. And what are we doing now? So, I look, I don't know. I, I say my view isn't political, but I guess it's controversial to say, I thought this country was about freedom. And I thought the freedom included the notion that you're not required to demonstrate respect loyalty, deference to the authority that governs this country. That's not freedom, folks. I don't know what your view of freedom is. You're allowed to respect the flag. You're allowed to not respect the flag. You're allowed to do whatever the hell you want to do. That's what the men and women fought and died for. That's why there was a rebellion against the arbitrary rule from England 250 years ago. That's what it was all about. So anyway, I, today was just a weird day. Today was one of those days where it's like, what, what are we doing? And, and what, what happened to the NFL? Now I sound like an old guy. What happened to the NFL that I loved? What's, what's going on with the NFL that I loved? Who's in charge of this thing? Whether it's on the field, whether it's this anthem issue, when in the world are we going to have some leadership in the league that avoids these problems, that guides around them, not just clumsily stumbles through them? And the league continues to survive despite its effort to destroy itself. And we'll see how these issues play out. Look, I'm still a believer in professional football, a believer in the NFL, but that doesn't mean I have to show deference 
to the shield or deference and respect to the people who run the league. I am allowed as an American citizen to say, folks, this thing that millions of people love, I don't know what you're doing to it. And we would very much like you to fix it. So anyway, we'll see how this plays out. Hopefully the union will fight. And one other thought, you know, because on the surface we're saying that this is a byproduct of the president's attacks on the NFL. They don't want him to be tweeting, making comments at rallies, getting the base fired up. I think that there may be a connection to the Kaepernick grievance for collusion. I think enough people have been deposed aggressively that it's quite possible that they realize, you know what, we, we just, we, we can't, we can't keep having these, we're going to have more and more of these collusion cases. If we allow this policy to exist, what's going to happen is we're going to continue to decide not to hire guys who are at the forefront of the movement, and we're going to have one collusion case after another. So let's just let's just force them to stand or force them off the field if they are inclined to protest, and then we end this potential constant stream of collusion cases because we've given them the right to protest, but we're not prepared to respect their right to protest because we're not giving guys employment once they've demonstrated that they're concerned about issues that would cause them to protest. I think there's something to that. When you consider that Robert Kraft was deposed on Friday, John Elway recently deposed, a bunch of different owners have been deposed, have been questioned. And I wouldn't be surprised if the dominoes fell in a way that the owners said, you know what, we just, look, we're getting, this is not going well with these depositions. My goodness. There's a disconnect between the rights that we've given to the players to protest and the way that we are respecting those rights because we're not respecting those rights and it's creating a huge potential legal liability and it's going to be one guy after another. I mean, now it's Colin Kaepernick, then it's Eric Reed. Who's next? Malcolm Jenkins, who's next after that? We need to we need to plug this hole with cement and move on. I think that may have a lot to do with it. And that would explain why they're willing to cave to the president, even though the president is not going to be quiet about this issue now that the NFL has given him what he wants. They're still going to hear it, as I've said. All right. Let me move on to answer some questions. That may frame this a little bit better, because I have so many different thoughts about this that are kind of ping-ponging around in my brain. So, without further ado, the Batman tweet. I, I picked a Batman gif that kind of summarized how I feel today. Although it's possible, I don't know. It's hard to read the, the true emotion on Batman's face in this one. It looks like he's either really sweating or he's in the rain. And it looks like he's straining to, uh, eh, never mind. I don't want to make it graphic. Okay, it looks like he's trying to poop. Man of Water 3615 asks, how does the new ruling play into Kaepernick's case? 
By the way, how much money will Kaepernick ultimately get? $200 million, $300 million, And when can we expect a ruling on Kaepernick? Will the NFL pay Kaepernick or drag it out in court? I, I don't know what's going to happen with this Kaepernick grievance. I don't know how long it's going to take to resolve it. It's going to continue to hang around. But I really do think that this action today was aimed at part in preventing future collusion grievances because the left hand and the right hand were not in sync. On one hand, players have the right to protest. On the other hand, they were taking action against the players who had shown an inclination to protest. So they needed to have a policy that would mesh with the practice. And the practice is, even though you have the right to protest, we're not respecting that right. With the new helmet rule, what kind of increased role can we see for future PFTPM posse member Andy Janovich? Well, thank you for listening yesterday. Andy Janovich was the secret name at the end of the podcast on Tuesday. Monday, it was Mark Sanchez, to the point where Mark Sanchez now seems to be the unofficial mascot of the show. I've got so many people just randomly mentioning Mark Sanchez. There was a suggestion that we call the Pizza Hut grilled chicken and pepperoni with Parmesan crust, that we call that the Mark Sanchez. We may do that. <laughs> we, we, we may, that may unofficially be known as the Mark Sanchez recipe. And you know what? Tonight, there's a game seven. Lightning Capitals. I may have to get a Mark Sanchez or two before that game starts. PFTPM Posse, after listening to the Doug Flutie interview, is the spread offense the reason for shorter quarterbacks getting more of a chance because it does open up passing lanes? I mean, that's what Flutie said. I thought that was very interesting. Because from his perspective, you know, the NFL is coming around to the idea of shorter quarterbacks. So you can either take pride in that, that you helped force that, or you could be pissed off. Like, what the hell? Thanks, NFL, for realizing about 20 years too late that I could have been a hell of a player. But the spread offense conducive. Opening everything up. And Flutie talked about the, the, the size of the field in Canada how it gives a guy who has that athleticism more ability to run around, make guys miss. He said that when he was going around the edge, he had this muscle memory of when he had to cut it up field. And in Canada, it's like, I got 10 more yards still before I have to have to cut it up or I'm going to run out of space laterally. PFTPM Posse, it amazed me that Mike Silver and Jason Whitlock are that ridiculous. Mike Silver even banned the posse after vigorously defending you. What a hack. Did Mike Silver block the PFTPM posse account? I mean, he blocks everybody. I'm surprised he hasn't blocked me. I just need to quit following him. I mean, we've got this weird relationship where he gets, he just, <sighs> different people react to me differently, obviously. I mean, I guess that's what, you know, makes this a fun experience. Some people understand it. Some people get it. Some people get unreasonably offended when you say something they disagree with. And I mean, I, I don't want to go down. I don't care about the Mike Silver incident with Hugh Jackson and, and did Hugh Jackson leak this Nick Foles trade attempt by the Browns to Mike Silver or not? I mean, most people in the business just assume it. They see, they see anything related to the Browns from Mike Silver and they assume that it came from Hugh Jackson. And that's, I said I wasn't going to go there, and now I go there. And and that's the consequence of being an over-the-top promoter of somebody who you regard as a friend. And it's okay to have a positive relationship with someone in the business, but when you're over-the-top, when, when it is ridiculous, when it is constant 
yeah, people are going to say, well, okay, well, you know, anything from the Browns now, we know who it's coming from. It's coming from Hugh. See, what Silver should have done, he should have handed off the story to someone else at NFL Media. Because Silver should have known that people were going to assume it came from Hugh, no matter what he said. And I think he said three sources to throw dirt on the trail. That was his way of saying it's not Hugh. And maybe it wasn't Hugh. But you've already crossed that bridge. And people are going to assume it's Hugh. And I mean, my observation was that Hugh leaked it and John Dorsey's probably pissed. Now, implicit in that was that Jackson leaked it to Silver. And I want people get very sensitive when when we try to connect dots on who their sources are. Like, big deal. People do that to me all the time. I don't, I don't, get, I don't get upset over it. I mean, if, if you're reporting decent stories, that gives people a reason to try to figure out where they're coming from. So what? So anyway, uh, and, and uh, I, you know what? Uh, I'm just done. I'm done. Today is, is exhausting enough without worrying about, because here's the thing. I really don't care at this point. And I mean it when I say it. Now, I think for most people in the media, when they get criticized on social media or elsewhere, they say they don't care, but they do care. And there was probably a time when I said I don't care and I did care, which could mean that this is still one of those times. I understand that logical flaw, but I'm trying to be as transparent as possible here. I really don't care at this point. Because after you get in enough of these fights with whoever it may be, and I try to avoid them for the most part. I mean, I'm not the one that got all hostile. I made my statement. I guess the kids could call it a subtweet. Silver's the one who came after me and said, don't be a dick. I mean, my God. And then tried to lecture me. And then his last tweet was, his last tweet was so stupid, I didn't even bother to try to respond to it. It's like, what is this? What is this? And don't lecture me about journalism when you're taking a paycheck signed by Roger Goodell. So I really don't care. And it's a liberating feeling because I've learned no matter how many times these things come up, it doesn't affect me. I still live my life the way I want to live my life. They don't come to my house and take a wheel off of my car and say, this is your punishment for being a dick on Twitter. And, and if anything, I've reeled it in because over the past couple of years, there's been a phenomenon where being a hostile presence on Twitter is regarded as a good thing taking on every fight available and coming up with, with little pet nicknames for people. I, I just don't care. I just don't care. And my comment was about Hugh. It wasn't about Silver. Although I could understand why he'd think it was about him. But isn't it funny? He chastised me for not texting him. Why didn't he text me? The last time he was pissed at me, he texted me. And I saved the text for a while because it could have been interpreted as a threat of violence. I may have it on my old cell phone device. I may need it. It may be evidence. Maybe somebody is coming to my house. PFTPM Posse, can we get John Madden on the PFTPM podcast to talk about why he wanted the three-point stance removed from the game? His position is more relevant than ever. Boy, that would be hard to do. We had to move heaven and earth to get John Madden on PFT Live seven or eight years ago when he was at the Super Bowl in Dallas. And that was great. I was so nervous. Oh, my God, I was nervous. And I had a great question because the lockout was coming. 
And I had a question that was based on one of his favorite stories, the idea that he thinks the busts in the Hall of Fame talk to each other at night. And I said, hey, coach, as this lockout is looming, it's just a matter of weeks away, what would those busts say to each other? What are they saying to each other in the Hall of Fame at night when the lights are off and everybody goes home? And the, the, I, I, it was a very unsatisfying answer. But I think it's very hard to get John Madden now. It's very difficult to get him. He's into his 80s. He does limited things. I could explore it. I'll explore it. I don't think it'll be easy, though. Matthew Farley, how can the league create a policy that affects players' rights without the NFL being being involved in any capacity? Well, you know, I, I remember in law school, one of the one of the professors that we had, he would he would lay out a set of facts as articulated to him by a client, something that someone had done to the client, and at the end of the explanation, the client says, "Can they do that?" And the professor said, "Well, I told him, yes, they did it, so they can. They are capable of doing it." The question is whether there's anything you can do about it. So they did it. How can they do it? They did it. They've opted what they believed to be the best and most effective and easiest path out of this maze. The right thing to do, sit down at the bargaining table, make a concession in exchange for an agreement by the players to give up their right to protest. That's the right way to do it. But the league didn't want to do that because they don't want to pay. They don't want to give up whatever it is, the marijuana policy, whatever other bargaining chip is out there. The NFL doesn't want to do that, especially when operating from a position of weakness. Because the relationship between the union and the league is still somewhat poisonous. I think the last thing the league was going to get was any type of break or benefit of the doubt if it tucked its tail between its leg and approached the bargaining table to work out a resolution that would allow players to be required to stand because they would agree to sacrifice their right to protest. The NFL decide it's better off just take the right away and see what happens. The real Forno. With the revolution. With the revolution of the helmet rule. Is it really revolution? I guess it is. When you consider it's a revolution. As it relates to how the game is going to be played. Have we seen our last quarterback sneak? Well, you got, you've got to get your head up. you got to get your head up. Tom Brady. If you're going to dive in the A-gap, if you're going to get the ball and go between the guard and the center, you better get your head up because if you ram into a defensive lineman with your helmet, it's a 15-yard penalty. Faisal says, there's a PFTPM subreddit now, by the way. Type r slash PFTPM on Reddit and we'll take you right there. I never go to Reddit. Reddit confuses me. Reddit feels like a 1998 internet message board. I just, I've never done it. Maybe I'll have to. The Impact 99, what does John Gruden see in Christian Hackenberg that apparently nobody else has so far? Or is he a camp arm slash motivation for Carr? He's a camp arm. Conditional seventh round pick. That's the Ross Tucker trade. When you get traded for a conditional seventh round pick, I think the condition is he has to make it onto the regular season roster. So you get a free camp arm. You cut him before week one, and you don't owe the Jets anything. And even if you owe him anything, it's a seventh round pick next year. This is a roll of the dice. This is a free roll of the dice. And it was done in a way that lets the Jets save a little bit of face. Because some of the headlines that I saw, Hackenberg traded by Jets for a draft pick. So there are going to be people out there who say, oh, the Jets got something for him. They didn't get shit for him. And they're not going to get anything for him, presumably unless he's on the roster 
week one of the 2018 season. The Impact 99, do you see any snags between the NFLPA and the league as far as the new anthem rule stepping on the current CBA? Look, argument we've made in the past, the NFL created the right to protest in 2009, reiterated the right in 2016, confirmed it again in 2017. It's a mandatory subject of bargaining. That would be the argument. There are different types of bargaining requirements. The mandatory goes to one of the key terms of employment. This has become a key term of employment by virtue of how big of a deal it now is. It's morphed into that. So the argument would be the NFL can't take away that right. They can't change that policy without bargaining. That would be, I think, the core argument. And there may, may be other legal arguments that would get made. But you know, the NFL gave these guys a right. Now the NFL is trying to take it away in a manner that keeps the NFL from having to make any, any type of of sacrifice in return. At Burn Unit, who would you rather have as a guest on your show, Mike Silver or Adam Schefter? How about Adam Silver? I'll take Adam Silver. Is that permissible? At Steph Boyardee, this may sound stupid. I may be under the influence of Herb. Who's Herb? How is it? Don't let Herb influence you. Oh, oh. What if we just got rid of pads altogether? Wouldn't that help? Well, look, the argument comes up from time to time that if they just got rid of the helmet, they wouldn't use the helmet as a weapon. And first of all, why did it take 60 years to realize that guys were using the helmet as a weapon and that may not be a good thing? But if you take away the helmet, you're still going to have accidental head injuries. You're going to have skull fractures as guys run full speed and accidentally make contact with each other's heads. I remember playing flag football in law school. One of the, I've had five or six concussions. And the only one that ever happened to me on a football field was playing flag football. And I banged heads with one of my teammates as we were going for the ball. You have a lot of that. So that's why you don't get rid of the helmets. You you get rid of the face mask and somebody's going to get their face kicked in at accidentally air quotes accidentally but it really is amazing that this thing that that i think for so many kids like what's the one piece of equipment that that fascinates a kid who's discovered football and is watching it on tv it's the helmet the helmet is the core of the identity of a team it all started because i can't remember who it was i got to do the research on this somebody painted the ram's horn on the old leather helmet. That that helmet, it just and, and I remember like I think I have a book somewhere from when I was a kid with the evolution of the helmet. And it shows all the different things. And I remember being so fascinated by it. Like the first face mask was this lucite shield that they used until it shattered and cut somebody during a game. And actually, the first helmet was hair. And I'm not talking about Jimmy Johnson or me for that matter. The first helmet came from guys believing that if they grew their hair long, that would protect them against head injuries. That long hair was in some way padding for the skull. So, I mean, the helmet has been an integral part of the game, and now they're trying to take the helmet out of the game. But you can't take the helmet off of the players. Who was it that recently said they'd use soft helmets? If you gave somebody the chance to make any change that they wanted, what would they change? They said they'd make soft helmets. I can't remember who said that. I think it was I think it was Rap Sheet. 
I think when Ian Rappaport was on here with PFTPM, he said something about soft helmets. But you know what? If you make a soft helmet, it's still got to look cool. There's something about the helmet. And it looks goofy when you have, remember like the big padding? Who was the guy that had, was it Bubba Paris that had that, like he had an extra foam add-on? Was it Mark Kelso that had that too? You end up looking like the great kazoo. I remember when Willie Lanier was playing, he had that, that like, like car bumper that was stuck onto the middle of his helmet. You notice those things. It's, it's a visual sport. And there's something about the helmet. I remember when I was a kid, I used to like draw helmets with different face masks, the two bar, the normal two bar, then the weird Terry Bradshaw two bar, then the single bar, then the full cage. The cage that that had the the bar down the middle all the way, but then like the Dan Marino cage. He was like the first quarterback who had the cage, the the, the big face mask, and all the different variations to face masks. And then th- th- there was a period of time where they, they, they made like the face masks a little bit different. They had a more curve to them like in the 80s. They had a weird kind of curvature at the bottom. I mean, that's what we see. When we watch football, we see the face mask. We see the helmet. It's been a key part of the game, and it's it's just one of the things people focus on. So they're not taking off the helmets. For that reason and for the reason there would be more skull fractures. Brady, isn't it possible? Oh, I don't want to go. I'm not, no more Mike Silver. At least not unless it's like really worth adding more fuel to the fire. Leapers 500, how much of the the below-the-surface tension in sports journalism is happily hidden from the public like parents not fighting in front of the kids and only rarely spews forth to the surface? Is the environment becoming where that's more valued than keeping it under? I think that that what most people are trying to avoid is a phone call from the boss. Like, my guess is that somebody at NFL Network called Mike Silver and said, hey, Mike, next time around, don't, don't, don't tweet, don't be a dick if you're mad at somebody. Don't do that. I mean, there have been times I've tweeted things or written things and I've gotten a phone call. So I assume that it happens to others. I mean, I've got full autonomy over what I tweet and what I write, and I still get a phone call from time to time. So I think a lot of it gets pushed under because because you don't want to have those calls from the people who who supervise you at NFL Network, ESPN, wherever. And I also think for other people, that's just their way. Like, I think like with Shefty, it's a very carefully cultivated persona where it's it's just non-offensive. It's very milk toasty, right? Can't have any reports or opinions that may upset people because if you start upsetting people, then you lose your five-minute heads up for whatever transaction is going to happen that day, which perpetuates this concept that, that you have your finger on the pulse of the entire league and you know what's happening before it happens. No. You know what's happening before they tell the world what's happening five minutes later. Lugie Bryan, Andy Janovich. Thank you, Lugie Bryan. Another one from Lugie Bryan. If players on both teams kneel, then there will be offsetting fouls, and by rule, they replay the anthem. <laughs> they, they didn't do the penalty. It's just a fine. So everybody, everybody uh, is going to have to pay. PFTPM Posse, Richie Incognito threw a dumbbell at another person at the gym this morning, telling him to get off my effing playground. As we get more details, it sounds like this could be the end for him, right? I, probably. Probably. Look, I, I think that 
Richie's agents would explain to anybody who's interested in him, there are certain things he needs to do to keep himself in the right frame of mind. And there's nothing wrong with mental illness. It gets stigmatized. But clearly there have been issues with Richie over the past years. So if the guy can still play, and, you know, if, I, I don't, I don't want to speculate on what's wrong with him, but clearly something's wrong with him. And if he gets that right and they think he can still play, then maybe he'll still play. What's this Chris Sims mean? Chris Sims, everyone. I was a wimpy quarterback and still sore. I don't get it. Chris Sims was heroic. That performance against the Panthers, it changed my opinion of him. I allowed myself to be influenced by Steve Young and that whole laissez-faire take, even though it was the incorrect usage of the term. And Phil Sims got pissed off, and I thought he and Steve Young were going to fist fight, which would have been awesome. That day against the Panthers, Chris did not tap out. And we have a Getty Images tool that goes back years. You put someone's name in there. And there are images available from Getty from that game. I mean, you could just tell. He, he, he was done. And he was almost literally done. And he kept going. How many quarterbacks can say that they would just keep going? When they have something wrong with them internally. And he's not a thick guy. He's not one of these quarterbacks where it's like the barrel chest. He's he's pretty thin as quarterbacks go. So he had something inside of him seriously messed up and he kept going. Sean Alvesher, who was the bestest mensch at the Florio wedding? That's a reference that I think I should get, but I don't. What's that from, Sean Alvashire? That's from something. Black 88 Elite. Batman had several nemeses, such as the Joker, the Penguin, and Bane. Who, Mike Florio, are your nemeses? Well, I think we've discussed a couple of them today. I don't know. I'd rather not have any nemeses, but here's the thing. If you have a platform, if you have opinions, if you're willing to state them, if your commitment is to the audience... And you try to tell the audience the truth. The process of telling the audience the truth is going to piss some people off. Period. And that's fine. I'll take it. Here's what I always said. And this was back in the days when we really stirred it up even more than we do now. Maybe one of these days I'll get back to that and stir it up even more. When I was practicing law, half the people I dealt with by definition hated me. Half the people I dealt with had to fight against me. Half the people I dealt with wouldn't have shed a tear if I had dropped dead. My only task was keeping the half of the people who were supposed to like me from joining the camp of those who hated me. When you practice law, you are in, in a litigation setting, you are in an adversarial process. And, and feelings run hot. And that's been one of the realities of the NFL, not the NFL, well, yeah, the NFL is getting there too, but of the practice of law ever since the, the Judge Wapner days. Because that people's court really exploded the litigation culture in the United States. And I think it used to be a couple of lawyers could battle it out and then go have a beer and get along. It, it's become a much less civil profession. It's mean. It's aggressive. It's hostile. And I think part of it is, my wife and I were talking about this the other night, because there were lawyers who were very nice people that we knew, but when they got in that pit, they were over-the-top nasty because I think they didn't want to be perceived as somebody who could be taken advantage of. So anyway, after 
spending 18 years in an environment where half the people I dealt with were supposed to hate me. I can take 30%, 20%, 10%. 20% a great day. 10%'s nirvana. So I'm used to I'm used to having people not like me. I can deal with that. At this stage of my life, there's a list of I could I I don't know. There's probably a hundred people most that I want to like me. Beyond that, I don't give a shit. I really don't. Oh, you're just saying that. No, I really don't give a shit. The people that I care about, if they care about me, and we can communicate and we can resolve our differences quickly and not even have differences, that's I'd say it's probably a hundred. I should make a master list of all the people that that I, I don't want to have upset with me. And everybody else, I really don't give a shit. I don't mean that in a like an unfeeling way. It's just you can't. You, there's only that I've got a t-shirt here. Matt Casey, one of my few friends, the guy who runs the the PFT live show. He produced the PFT afternoon show. And one time during a break, I said, and I, I need to get the I got the t-shirt in here somewhere. He got t-shirts made with the PFT logo on the front and the quote on the back. And it's something like friendships take too much effort. It's so much easier to maintain an enemy. So it's, you got friends, it's work. You got to do things for them and they do things for you and you got to talk and they got to talk. It's easy with an enemy. Screw you. No, screw you. Okay. Let's do this again tomorrow. What else do we have here? Sean Alvishar, <laughs> will Schroot Farms ever be considered for the NFL draft? All right. Asbestos Mensch, is that from the Schroot wedding? I started watching the entire Office series on Netflix, and I got, like, to the last few episodes, and I just couldn't do it anymore. Alexander Sandoval, how do you expect the NFLPA to react to what the commissioner and the owners colluded to? Doesn't this look like collusion, by the way? Well, th- this is this is the kind of collusion that's acceptable. They're coming up with an agreement on a league policy. But they're taking away a right that they'd previously given to the to the players. So they do whatever they want. Now they're going to sit back and force the NFLPA to fight them. Jay Ireland, can you explain how the NFL can force someone to stand for the national anthem? I think we've covered that. They, we'll see if they can force them to do it. We'll see if it sticks. We'll see if it works. PFT sponge, I don't know if that's a positive or a negative. What the hell is the center supposed to do now? Is the goal here a side snap or the backyard-style quarterback just sticks out his arm with the ball to simulate the exchange? Here's what's going to happen. Here's what I think is going to happen. We're eventually going to have a rule where the center is not going to be is not going to be subject to being hit like the the snapper on a on a field goal or a punt. There's going to be some rule that protects the center now because they don't want the center getting hit in the head because everybody else is going to be standing up. What's it, what's the center going to do? Although the center, I don't think, really fires out the way that guards and tackles do. You know, it's kind of hard when you got both hands on the ball. Well, you got one hand, you got one hand on the ball and one hand on your hip. Right? So you got a hand on the ball, a hand on your hip. How do you really fire out from that the way that if you've got a, it's harder because you got to put the ball, you got to slam the ball into your, uh, into your, uh, you know, uh, sensitive area. And then you got to go from there. I, I don't think it's quite the same as firing out as a guard or a tackle would do. 
Uncle Larry 112, if the new anthem policy is challenged, what are the chances that the NFL could prevail because no right to kneel was created by its prior action? Blah, 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 blah. I, no disrespect, Uncle Larry. Uh, enough anthem questions for me for now. I'm, I'm going to scroll past anything that says anthem. J. Ireland 80, what's the Memorial Day menu at the Florio Barn? I don't know yet. Although, although, I will say this. And I'm not going to name the company yet because, uh, you know, uh, sponsorship opportunities may be available. But I did order four bone-in fillets to cook on the grill this weekend. And I may eat all four of them myself. I don't know whether or not I'm going to share them yet. At some point this weekend, steak will be cooked and consumed. And I don't know that it's a... I don't know that Memorial Day is going to be a barn event. It may be at night, like to watch a basketball game, or I think the Stanley Cup final starts Monday night. But this is an outside. This is a on the patio, jump in the pool, hang out under this this new... Uh, uh, we used to have a, a pergola. I didn't know what the hell a pergola was until I bought this house four years ago. But it's like a roof that's not a roof. It's like, why the hell is this even here? It's not keeping me from getting rained on or shit on. And I did get shit on once by a bird while standing under the pergola. So now we got the... The pergola was rotten. We got a full roof. We got the new grill. Even on a hot day now, you go under that thing and it's a nice shade. It, it just feels good to stand under that. So we'll be out there, weather permitting. And uh, um, it's just like hang out and be with family and enjoy a couple of... Uh, a couple of uh, days that, that hopefully won't be all that busy. Hopefully nothing crazy is going to happen where I'm sitting in here on the computer pounding out PFT content. At Poe Wing, why haven't you interviewed Kaepernick? Kaepernick's not interviewing with anybody. Kaepernick, I interviewed him. Did I interview him? I interviewed him when he was coming into the draft. And then we did an interview of him the year after the Super Bowl, but it was the weirdest thing. It was with Nike, and there was a Nike representative there with him. It was a two-way TV interview for the PFT afternoon show. And and it was awkward. Eric uh, Casilius did the interview. And that was during the time when we knew Alex Smith was being traded. We just didn't know. Or no, we knew. No, we knew. He was, we knew he was being traded to the Chiefs. But it wasn't final yet. It wasn't official. So he wouldn't talk about it at all. It just got very awkward. Very awkward. And that was the first time I thought that Jim Harbaugh has kind of turned this guy against the media. Like whatever whatever that... I think the Jim Harbaugh vibe is that any interaction with the media is a competition to be won. Because everything with Jim Harbaugh is a competition to be won or lost. And I think that kind of screwed up the way Colin Kaepernick interacted with the media. But now they don't make him available for anything. He doesn't do anything. So there's an open invitation. I'd love to have a conversation with him. We're going to try to get Eric Reed. Maybe Eric Reed will do something. But now that this litigation is pending, you know, anything you say can and will be used against you. So it wouldn't be a surprise to me if they said no. All right. Scrolling through the anthem. Terry Gensler, is this the busiest May outside of years when the draft is in May that you can recall in the NFL? No. Three years ago, 2015, the draft was in April. The deflate gate decision came in May. So this isn't even close. This is a normal May. Really. It just, it's, it's, it started off with the aftermath of the draft. Last week, it really slowed down. Last week, there wasn't much happening at all. I remember when we had PFT Commoner and Barstool Big Cat in studio. Oh, you know PFT Commoner's name's out there now. 
I'm not going to say it, but I, I will say this. It turns out my internet son may be the biological son of the guy who landed that plane on the Hudson. But we, we almost had nothing to talk about that day. So last week was really slow. This week, a lot more. On tour forever, French dip or meatball sub, hashtag Janovich forever. I say neither. I'm going off the board. I like a chicken hoagie or a steak hoagie. If I'm going to have meat products on my on my bread, I want a steak hoagie. And the French dip, it's too much work. Why do you want to, you, you're dip, I, I don't I don't have a problem with dipping bread. I dip in the whole sandwich. It seems unsanitary to me, although that makes no sense. On tour forever, is the XFL actually going to happen? Oh, I think it will. I think what happened was, this is just my theory. I have, and it's it's not even a theory. It's more like a hypothesis. Because I have absolutely no idea whether or not it's going to come to this. But I think that Vince McMahon rushed his announcement to be the first before we heard about the Alliance for American Football. Because Vince McMahon is two years away, AAF is one year away, and I think he wanted to plant the flag, even though he is months away from being ready to go. And I still think, I was talking to somebody about this today, I still think there's a chance that the XFL is going to be the old school football league. It's going to be the rough and tumble play it like it used to be played. Because even though, as they introduced it, Vince McMahon made it clear that they're going to make the game safe, he also said we're going to give the fans what they want. Well, what if the fans want old school football? Depends on what fans you listen to, I think. Matt, Yvonne, are you buying the new Madden 19? Yes. If so, what team are you excited to... But didn't we have that yesterday? I think we had that yesterday. I don't try out teams. I try out players from the ultimate team. I don't, I don't play the... I don't do the season. I don't do the franchise mode. I do ultimate team, and I spend the entire year trying to get my ultimate team as good as it can be so then when the new one comes out, I have to go all the way back to scratch and start over again. And right now, the ultimate team is a 95 and uh, working hard to, to, to save up enough coins to make the team even better. You know, the one thing I've never done, because what you do, there, there are seasons that you play. It's a 10-game it's a season. And if you win seven, you advance to the playoffs. And I've... I've done those seasons over and over again. I've never actually won the Super Bowl to cap a season. I don't know what I'm going to do if I ever pull it off. But I'm essentially, you know, pick an NFL team that's never won a Super Bowl. That's what I am. And I don't know why, because I, I have good stretches. It just it gets, uh, yeah, yeah, I always, at some point during the playoffs, I come up against somebody who is just so damn good that I don't have a chance. And the next thing I know, it's 31 to 3. Matt Yvonne, will the new helmet rule basically render the middle linebacker position useless? What type of new formations will make will defensive coordinators make to adapt? I don't know that it makes it useless. It just takes, you can't dip your helmet to initiate contact. There's going to be a lot of shoulder tackles. There's going to be a lot of wrapping guys up, standing up. It, it may look a lot like these training camp walkthroughs where you just wrap the guy up and hold him and wait for the whistle. It's going to be, it's going to be strange to see what happens. On tour forever. If the Browns fire Hugh before training camp, can they get out of being on hard knocks? I, it's, that's not happening. But I like the creativity. Sham God, DeMora Smith should be working on a resolution as if his job was on the line with this anthem issue, don't you think? I don't, I don't know if he should be. I don't know. I mean, I think he's going to take it seriously. I don't think that it 
it puts his job on the line. Dr. Avalanche, what do you think about that's been doxing your internet, son? Yeah, look, I it was so weird, and MDS had a great point on Twitter. Plenty of people knew who he was, and the Washington Post story they did that acted like no one knew who he is, I mean, let's be, be accurate about it. Plenty of people know who he is. They just go along with it because what the hell? It's like when, when Kiss had makeup and, like, people knew who they were, but they they... The fans liked the mystique, right? Oh, we've seen Kiss without their makeup. I I remember the the music magazines they'd sell back then. Just and I I still have some of them because I was a huge Kiss fan in the late seventies, and and uh, one of them said they had a drawing of Kiss without makeup. And and what they did, they basically took a photo of like a poster of Kiss. And just traced it. <laughs> and then just like, and oh, there they are without makeup. I mean, it's just, it, it was just part of the fun. And uh, and also, those guys were pretty ugly too. So it was a good thing they kept the, uh, I, and I'll say this, and there's a parallel to my internet son. I've seen him without his glasses. And the name that keeps coming to mind is Ed Sheeran. So maybe this mystique is a good thing for him. All due respect. No offense intended. Steph Boyardee, favorite Batman movie scene. I'm not a big fan of the Batman movies. Although I will say this, it was the um, it was the Joker from the Dark Knight when he made the argument that if you're good at something, uh, never do it for free. That was what inspired me 10 or 12 years ago to tell the various radio stations I was doing a bunch of spots for that it was time to start paying me. And uh, you know, it's been an it, it's been not an in, insubstantial amount of money over the years after uh, the inspiration from Heath Ledger as as the Joker in the Dark Knight. So I guess that's my favorite scene because I actually made money off of it in a roundabout way. Terry Gensler, why did Philly wait so long to cut Michael Kendricks? Do you think he was not interested in what they were offering or could they just not find a trade partner? I think they probably explored everything, but you get into these OTAs, you get into the off-season program and you see something you don't like. And it is a shame. You'd like to see a guy get cut early enough that he'd have time to land somewhere else while teams still have needs and, and teams still have money to spend. But... You know, that, that's one of the realities of having a contract that doesn't force the team to make a decision early. Jay Ireland, 80, if the Supreme Court just struck down a federal law banning states from having gambling, how can the NFL expect Congress to pass legislation to make unified gambling legislation? Andy Janowitz. Uh, well, that's one of the concerns I have, and there's got to be a limit to what Congress can do. And I saw a statement today from Orrin Hatch, Talking, it really, it's just a whole lot of talking and not a lot of substance. Like they're concerned about all the various scandals that have happened anyway with illegal gambling. Like now that we have legalized gambling, these scandals may happen. They happened anyway. But he he, he said some things there to suggest that that there are ways to constitutionally affect the federal goal of promoting whatever they want to promote by having uniform betting procedures and regulation of the various states. Matthew Farley, between the helmet rule and the anthem policy, which one is more detrimental to the league? I'd say it's this helmet. Well, I'd say I'd say it's potential the helmet rule because we still don't quite know how that's going to play out. And I think the problem is, even though a lot of people like to seize on this anthem policy, a lot of people who really aren't football fans, that caused a problem for the NFL from a PR standpoint. I, I think this helmet rule can cause bigger problems if they don't handle it properly. 
Jason Schender, any chance the vote on the anthem policy was used to divert attention away from the lowering of the helmet rule? I don't think they did it on purpose. I'm not willing to give them that much credit, in part because they currently don't have a PR chief. They don't have an executive-level VP of communications, which you'd think at a time like this it would be helpful to have. They don't. And I asked Brian McCarthy if there's been any progress in that regard, and he didn't respond to me. And see, that's that's step one. He doesn't respond when he doesn't want to answer me, so he makes me ask it again. So I'll have to ask it again. But I don't think that that it's been helpful to have no presence in that regard. No one who's shaping the message in a cohesive and uniform way. There's a lot of reaction. There's not a lot of proaction by the league, especially on this. Steph Boyardee, if you had to guess which city gets a new NFL team first, who's the lucky winner? I, 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 if that implies an expansion team, nobody. There aren't enough quarterbacks to go around with 32. Now, I think at some point we're going to see potential shuffling of teams from smaller markets to big markets. So look for a big market that, that currently doesn't have a team that would pay for a stadium, St. Louis, San Diego. And, and another factor beyond paying for a stadium, if there's a state that doesn't have legalized gambling so the team can't have in-stadium betting, that could be a factor in the team moving to a state that would have it. All right, I should probably wrap this up. Let's see what else we have here. Shaken Blake 95, who judges the winner in an argument over the CBA between the NFL and the NFLPA? Do you think the NFLPA will be the decisive winner? Now, I'm sure this is about the anthem issue. It depends on what type of grievance is filed. You can, you can file a system arbitration under the CBA. You can file an unfair labor practices charge. There's different things you can do. In some situations, you can file a lawsuit. And that's part of where the lawyers have to have to come up with a creative way. What's our best way to make an argument that will prevail? What legal principle helps us? What, what forum is going to be best for us? That's all part of what lawyers do. It's one thing to persuade based upon the facts of a case. It's another thing to engineer the overall process so that you're picking the best possible place and the best possible system, the best possible rules. So I think it's a complicated process, but it's all to be determined, and we'll see if the NFLPA finds a way to fight. Steph Boyardee, who will be the upcoming guest for the PFTPM podcast, I can tell you that Friday... We will be talking to Mike Pereira, the former VP of officiating. I want to get his thoughts on this helmet rule because I think he's concerned about it. He already was concerned. I think he's more concerned now. So that will be Friday going into Memorial Day weekend. I know I wanted to try to do it today, but we weren't able to work it out. Mike had some other event. So we do it Friday and it gives some, it gives you something to listen to all weekend long and maybe something that'll set the agenda going into, into next week, short week, next week. All right, uh, I should probably wrap it up. Let's see. I'm scrolling through here to see if there's anything else. If I didn't ask your question, keep asking it. A-T-G-A-S-E-R-1, otherwise known as Alexander Sandoval. Why is it I'm late all the time? Is it because you're on the East Coast? Late for what? Late to ask your questions? I'm not sure what you mean by that. I'm still scrolling. What else do we have here? Ah, uh, that's probably it. I'd like to end. I'd like to end with something. Let's find something good. Is there anything good? Not that there's anything bad. Eh, you know what? Sometimes you don't force it. I think we've exhausted the supply of questions. I've either scrolled through or answered all of them today. All right. So on that note, 
on that note, we're going to wrap it up. And uh, Stan Humphreys, if you made it this far. Stan Humphreys, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy your Wednesday. I'm planning to do this again on Thursday. I may take third. We'll see, we'll see about yeah, it. We'll if there's enough news tomorrow, we'll do another one. I don't want to keep answering the same questions all over again. And that's not a slight. Because trust me, the PFTPM posse is on that list of 100 people who I do care if they like me or not. But if there's something new to discuss, we'll do it. Otherwise, Friday, it'll be Mike Pereira. Check us out at profootballtalk.com. Enjoy your day. And thanks, as always, for your support of the PFTPM podcast. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk.